Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Good morning, Freedom Church. How you doing? Everybody doing well? Man, good to see you this morning. Welcome to those watching online and those here on site. And I see a couple of our new, uh, new Hope family, Freedom Church family. Say hello right there. Raise your hands. Welcome. We're glad you're here. And, uh, I'm, can, I, can I just say that God is up to something big? He's getting ready to do some amazing things. But there's a prayer that the Lord asked us to pray. Actually, two prayers. The only two prayer requests Jesus gave his church. You know what those are? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem is one of them. The second one is this. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest field. And we are the answer to that prayer. So, man, as August comes in, you know, July, people are on vacation. But when August comes in, man, you know, we were full already. We're going to be super. We're going to be really full when New Hope comes in. That means we're going to need more workers, more people to be involved. So we need some more greeters to greet people. Everybody's a greeter, right? But we need to greet. We need to make sure we need more life group leaders. We need more kids workers. So I want you to pray of how God wants you to be involved because God has set us up for a strategic time for this moment to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we want to be able to steward that. One of the reasons that we say, hey, we're not just a cruise ship, we're a battleship, right? Everybody being involved, doing what God has in store for us. And one of the great privileges of my life is this, is to work with some incredible, amazing people. And today, man, one of the guys that I look up to, that I love, that is one of my best friends, is going to be sharing today. We, we have a deep bench here at Freedom Church. We have very talented people, great teachers, great leaders. It's not just about one man. It's about so many people. And Pastor Joel is going to be sharing with us. But let me tell you a little bit about Pastor Joel, because not, not everybody knows his story. Pastor Joel has been with us for 11 years. And we were about like 40 people, 36 people, I still remember, the first Sunday he came in. And when Pastor Joel came in, he's one of the guys that walked in. Everything changed. Worship changed. Atmosphere sphere change. He's a person that changes everything. And let, let me tell you a little bit about Pastor Joel. He's one of the most faithful, godly people that I know. In the midst of the ups and downs of planning the church, he was always, always faithful. He's always encouraging, especially in those early days when it was difficult. Everything's good for Joel. And I love that. He, oh man, you want to be positive, be around somebody positive, get around somebody like Pastor Joel. He's an encourager and he's worked every position in the church right he's been the connection pastor he, he's been part of the it he just does everything now he's one of our co-worship leaders and our teaching pastor so give it up right here for one of the pillars of freedom church pastor joel vargas love you man all right wow thank you wow i i remember when i First came, and you guys are pretty good at math, so you'll quickly figure out my age. That's fine. Uh, I was 23 years old, hadn't even been married for one year. I was just a young guy full of excitement, and I saw probably one of the youngest pastors I had ever seen uh, with Benito. <laughs> Back then, yeah, one of the youngest pastors I'd ever seen, and he was on fire for the Lord, and it's been an incredible journey, and, and, and Benito has mentored, guided me 
every single step of the way. I, I, I always make sure that I collaborate with him on everything that I share here today. So um, thank you. I get to do this. We get to do this. What an awesome experience. So let, let's dive into God's word. Any, any parents in the house? Any parents in the house? You guys are like, eh, yeah. Any uncles and aunts? That's a little better. All right, all right. So if that's you, the scene that you're about to see is one that you have also witnessed probably face-to-face, and I want you to see it real quick. Go ahead. Did you want some lemon? You want to try some bites? Try try a big bite. (gasps) Big bite, big bite. What do you think? Pretty good? You, you try some more? <laughs> no, no more lemon? No more lemon? No. Who was laughing out there? Who was laughing? You are wrong for that. You are wrong for doing that to these little innocent children. I would never do such a thing. Can't. Won't confirm or deny. But even some of you guys are worse and film it and encourage it. Come on, little buddy. This is going to be good. That is just wrong. But you might be asking yourself, Joel, what does that have to do with the Sermon on the Mount? And I just want a simple picture in your minds this morning. A really simple picture. Life throws us lemons, doesn't it? Can I get an amen? Has life thrown you guys lemons? But the difference is when we dwell on those lemons and those lemons become part of our identities, our faces start looking like that baby. But it's not just temporary. I'm afraid that spiritually we have people walking around through our church with bitter looking faces, with lemon faces just stuck on their faces spiritually. And today I want to challenge us to get out of that Because on the Sermon of the Mount, we're going to see in chapter 6, verse 25 through 34, how Jesus answers this area that he calls worry. Worry will rob you of God's plan. And today, I want to pray because as I was getting ready, the Lord put on my heart that this is something that not just a couple people are struggling with, but that many people within his church are struggling with it today, right now. Worry is something that I know I've struggled with. And I want to make sure that we as a church are ready to receive God's word. So let's all pray that we receive this word. God, you've shared with me this passage to share with your church. And and, and I felt the weight of the challenge that worry has become and been for so many people that it's paralyzed them from their God-given plan. But right now, I pray that you open up their hearts to receive God's faith his trust, and his comfort of knowing that we have nothing to be worried about under you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of us have worried about the dumbest things? I I certainly have. And today, we're going to take a quick test. And if you answer yes to more than three of these, then this word and message is for you today. All right, number, number one. How many of you worry that Doors may not be fully locked before going to bed. You just got to go around and just touch every door. You got to go, is this, right, is the alarm on, is everything on? 
And then you kind of look behind the bathroom curtain two times. All right. We're good to go. All right. How many of you guys have ever been worried about failing any test? Back when you were in grade school or, or, or one that you have now, right? How many of you guys have worried that a minor body pain was a terminal illness? The invention of WebMD has destroyed this, this uh, society. Back in the day, you just ask them, eh, you'll be fine. Nowadays, you go to WebMD, don't put your symptoms in because they're trying to kill you, WebMD. All right. We're on number four here. How many of you have been worried about paying bills or having enough money in your savings account? Can I get an amen? If you were here last week, Benito preached all about this. All right. Number five, how many of you are worried about your kids when you send them off to school? Mm. Number six, how about this one? How many of you have been worried about merging onto I-35 in just the right way? And I'll tell you, even worse is when a semi is coming and then you're approaching the end. You don't know whether to slow down, speed up. You're just in this worry state about getting onto I-35. Some of you guys are taking way too long to get to places because you go the back roads, and that's okay. Um, but let me tell you, one last one, and this is a big one for me. How many of you have worried that your kids won't turn out the way that you hoped they would when they became adults? That's a worry that I have as a parent. I have three boys, eight, five, and two, and I think about that all of the time. So I don't know about you, but I was seven out of seven. I've worried about all these things at some point. So I have failed completely. So I am preaching this message to me just as much as it is for you. I want to define worry because there's two definitions I want you to take. And then we're going to dive in to God's word. The first one is to give way to anxiety or unease, allowing one's mind to dwell on the difficulty of troubles. I like this other one that says a troubled or distressed feeling of being apprehensive, listen closely, of the things that might happen. The University of Cincinnati tells us that 85% of the things we worry about never come true. Some medical experts have, have linked worry to depression, anxiety disorders, heart disease, high blood pressure, and even obesity. So, so just by definition standards, this thing about worry is just not good. Another picture I want you to think about is think of an engine. An engine that's finely tuned, has a ton of horsepower, and you just rev that engine and you rev it and you rev it, and it's, it's dialed up, it's ready to go, but it's in neutral. It would be putting all of that energy, all of that force that an engine has to go nowhere. That is the picture of worry that I want you to think about. It would be like revving and revving and revving and never going anywhere. But Jesus has a way of talking about worry that's going to put it in a different perspective. And it's going to help us identify certain areas we have to give over to the Lord. So let's see how he attacks this over in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Get ready. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body or what you'll wear. He is just so 
clear. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't say these are areas you should not, uh, you, you should maybe keep under control. He commands us not to worry. It is a command, and he tells you right at the beginning. And sometimes you think, God, how crazy would it be to not worry about anything? We're, we're so used to worrying that we couldn't even imagine what this looks like. But he tells us and commands us not to worry. And what I love is he takes it all, he, he is all-encompassing with what he says. Why? Because he says, what you will eat or what you will drink, that is what you need to live and survive. He goes all the way to the, 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 the worst case scenario, which is having something to eat and something to drink, because without that you'll die. So he goes all the way there and he says, don't worry about that. So what he's also saying is don't sweat the little things either. He's, tell, he's saying all of it. Because I'm telling you not to go all the way here. So he's encompassing all of it. And sometimes I think, God, what are you thinking up there? The things I worry about. Are you kidding me? Things like material things, uh, you know, retirement, uh, little things around the house. But he says, don't worry about anything. The wants, the needs, you name it. Because in this time, you see, Jesus was talking to a people that lived their lives a little bit differently. It was a very day-to-day -day life in those days. And they were very concerned about exactly what they would be eating. They were, they were worried about what would, be, what would happen next. And so he was addressing that. And you might be saying, God... I have so much going on in my life. I am so busy. He's saying, don't worry. But how many of you guys know that you can worry way too much? And what are the things that you worry about? We're going to get to that here by reading the verse right before this passage that Benito talked about last week. Matthew chapter 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now you might say, Joel, wait a minute. What does this have to do with worry? Why are we going back? This is what Benito preached on. But what we realize is that my emotions follow my devotions. And so Benito, when he talked about this, he said something. He said three simple things. He broke down all that passage about money that there was three types of people. I won't test you on it because I don't want you to worry here. Get called out. It's okay. But the three, there was spenders, savers. We got an overachiever here in the front row. I like it. She's on the worship team. I love it. But there are spenders, savers, and then there are stewards. And what we realized is spenders and savers look like they're so opposite, right? But they suffer from the same illness of not putting trust in God. Either way. So we realized that the way that we handle money is actually an emotional problem. It's an emotional problem. Whether you're save, 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 spend, 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 God says, be a steward, right? Surrender it all to me. And so we realize that the things that we're devoted to is where your heart goes. You see, right now, as much compassion and love as I'm sure you guys have for, for me, the servant of the Lord, you aren't wake, staying up at night at three in the morning saying, 
oh my gosh, is Joel's son going to wake up in the middle of the night? I can't, I can't sleep because I'm thinking about Joel's son. No, you're not thinking about that. You're not thinking about Wyatt and if his guitar is going to be properly tuned. No, he's worrying about that because that's what is on his heart. And so we realize is we, where our hearts are, is where you will spend time worrying about. So does that, the fact that you guys don't think about me all the time, and Benito, and and other people around, does that make you selfless, ruthless, prideful, and sinful? It absolutely does. But that's, that's who we are, isn't it? That's who we are. We, we think inward. We think about ourselves first. So, so you think about this word worry, and, and one of the origins of it is divided heart. When, when we worry, we, we literally have a div- our, our heart is torn into two pieces. It tries to think of, I know, God, your promises are real. God, I don't believe it, right? Because I'm not living it. And you start, you start to You know of God's plans, but you're not applying God's plans for your life. And you start to realize that there's this problem of who is in control. And you're going to see really quickly that one of the things we're going to learn in this next passage is that God is the one that's in control, not us. Ooh, this is a hard pill to swallow. You're not in control and We've read on the Sermon of the Mount, we know there's some control freaks in here. I'm one of them. But God's in control, not us. Let's look at what Jesus says. We'll pick up the passage. Is life not more than food and body, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Hmm. That's powerful. Thank you, Lord. Verse 28. And why do you worry about your clothes? Teenagers, listen up. So how the flower, see how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendors was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the fire, will he not? much more clothe you. Wow. This passage is breathtaking. When you read the comparison that Jesus gives you, and let me tell you, I've always loved nature and I've always loved God's creation, but it all kind of came into full, like I've always had, I feel, a narrower view because I haven't traveled much in my life. And just recently, we got to go to Colorado. And went with my family, some close friends. And let me tell you, you could point me out like a tourist in no time. Because I wanted to stop the car and take pictures of what other people might call a hill. It looked like a mountain to me. See, I grew up in Florida and then here in Texas. So I'm not used to the mountains. And Claudia, my wife, was saying, Joel, it's going to get better as we keep going. I'm taking pictures of the hills in New Mexico. We're still not, we're still not there, right? And I just keep, and I'm like in awe and wonder. And if you guys know me, 
one thing I've always struggled with is, is kind of showing emotion. And it's not that I don't want to. I'm like, God, I want to cry and like cry and feel everything and all the feelings, right? And sometimes I can't, I'm getting better with being a father now. But on that trip, I just played some worship music and I was crying like a baby. And I was just looking at the mountains, looking at the stars, saying, you know what, God? There's no one out there mowing the lawn to make sure it looks good on these mountains. There's no one trimming these trees to hope that they look great. There's no one watering the grass out there. This is your creation that you have made, that you have so carefully crafted. And I was in awe of it. And then I look at verse 26. Look at all the birds of the air. They sow and they reap. They don't store away in bars. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So I'm looking at all this creation saying, God, you've kept this so nicely. You do so good. And God is saying, I got that for you, son. And you're not paying attention. You just haven't seen my provision. You're not, you're not seeing that. And, and it makes me think of that father-son relationship right between God and, and us. And now as a father, I get to see it all the time. My oldest son, Roman, is now eight. And he's starting to get to know the value of money. He now sees that things cost money. On Father's Day, we mentioned money doesn't grow on trees, does it? And my son is finally starting to realize this. And I was like, this is good. This is good. He knows the value of a dollar. But one day, he goes, Dad, is it okay that we can spend this? Are we going to... And he started to act like an adult. And he's eight years old. And I said, son... These were the words I told him. I said, Roman, you're too young to be worried about adult things. Enjoy your life, son, where you don't have a worry in the world. You have nothing to be worried about, son. Enjoy your life. And I'm telling him that, and I'm saying, the adult things? Wait a minute. So, so I'm giving him the advice that he has nothing to be worried about. Yet I am then taking on all the worry instead. So it's, it's like a father not taking his own advice, right? And so, and I wasn't even going to mention this, but, but I remember yesterday I was at my son's swim meet. And I was the, the volunteer that decided to be the tent parent of seven to eight-year-old boys. And every parent in there was like, they were so thankful and grateful for me. I'm like, why? They're just boys. Three hours in, I realized why they were so thankful for me. Every other parent of every other child group was like, oh, you got the seven to eight boys? <laughs> All right. But let me tell you, there was a picture I saw, and I said, I got to share this. I was able to see what a worry-free, what worry-free boys look like. These kids didn't care about anything. They were just flopping around and playing. And then I would, they, didn't, they weren't looking at the time. They weren't worried about when their, when their time that they had to be at the, in their lane was. They'd just wait for me. And I would tell them, hey, it's time to go to swim. Oh, yeah. They'd all run. They'd get their goggles ready and they were ready to go swim. Is that not the picture that we would want to see, that God would want to see through us? For us to just 
live life and wait for his next move and not have to worry about every little thing. See, when we worry, we try to take God's plan and we try to make and we, and we try to turn it into our own plan. It would be the same thing as me asking my boys to pay the bills, to do the household repairs, to file taxes, and to maybe even drive me to church. They simply don't have the capability of doing that. And so God is telling you, you don't have the capability to worry. I have that weight for you. But the scary part about worry is that it's disguised as this passive feeling. It's disguised as a little innocent thing. It's disguised as maybe, oh, I'm just taking a little bit more care about this. And it can creep into our lives and take over to the point of you being stuck in neutral and not being able to make that move that God's called you to do. Verse 27, I love that Jesus is giving us all of these different arguments on attacking this area of worry. So in verse 27, he gives us the logical argument. This is, a, this is Jesus really being smart with us here. I love it. In verse 27, he says, Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And that's one of those, duh, of course not. You know, you haven't gotten a call with one of your friends to get together, get five guys together in a room and just worry, worry, worry so we can add an hour to our day, right? We don't get together as groups and do that, right? We also don't get together and say, worry, 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 and then all of a sudden we become healthier, right? You don't worry your finances into a perfect state. You don't worry your, so, so it's, it's, he's showing you that it is impossible. And he brings it to this area of not adding an hour to the day. It's one of those logical moments. But the beauty is, and this is what we're going to learn through this, is that we can depend on God to meet, to meet all of our needs. We can depend on God to meet all of our needs. And this is when the action starts to take place. I want you to think about the things that you've been worried about lately. Just start thinking. You can write them down. You can put them on your phone. Think about the things that you've been most worried about. It could be one, two, three things, four things, whatever it is that you've been worried about. All right, I'll give you a second to think of those. Write them down if you need to. All right. Now we're going to do an exercise that's going to reveal a lot, okay? I want you to take those things that you're worried about and insert them into the sentence I'm about to tell you. Your name... So in my case, it would be, Joel is not trusting God with fill in the blank. Fill in your name. Joel is not trusting God with that area. The areas you are staying up at night about, the areas you keep thinking and dwelling and worrying about, whether it's your kids whether it's your marriage, whether it's your home, whether it's your work situation, say, God, Joel is not trusting God with my children, with my marriage. Worry reveals where you trust God the least. This is one of the most 
revealing things that you can do. This exercise that you just did right now is one of the most revealing things that you can do. And it will show you your blind spots and your weak points within your faith. These are the areas that you haven't surrendered to the Lord yet. These are areas that you are still holding on to. And let me tell you, this is one of those things that, that hurt. And look at how Jesus answers this. This is where, it, again, he's not playing around on this Sermon on the Mount. He says, you of little faith. He's pointing to the faith gap. You thought it was a resource gap. You thought it was a counseling gap that you needed. You thought it was all these other things. But we realize that this gap is really faith. A lack of faith. But then he says, you have little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? And this one, this next, this next verse is going to challenge you. Because this is what you're compared to when you think that way. For the pagans, the non-believers, the ones that haven't met Jesus yet. They're the ones that run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. And let me tell you that the areas that I have wrestled with the most are the areas that I have yet to surrender to, to God. It's, it's the ones where, where I'm saying, God, wait a minute, I, I, thought, I thought I had made progress, but I keep thinking about these things, and I keep going back to these things. And he's saying, these are areas you're not putting trust and faith in me, son. And he doesn't leave us with this statement because he's going to give us the secrets here to living a worry-free life. And I love this. This is, again, he's telling, he's saying, this is the problem. I'm telling you not to do it. But he gives us beautiful answers. In verse 33, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you. Isn't it amazing when you put God first? First place. See, the places where God is first, He's taking on the weight of it. And then you jump in. But when He's not first, and we have this backwards, what happens? You are the one taking the weight. You are the one trying to figure out the answers. And you are not putting God first. He says, put God first. And that is the answer. That's, that is when we are liberated from worry. The moment that you surrender, it all to God, you will see faith being built. Faith being stirred up in you. Faith rising up. And I love how he, he then ends this with just a beautiful word to you. Is, it's like a, it feels, you feel like you're his son when you hear this in verse 34. Therefore, and I'll insert, insert your name here. Therefore, son, daughter, father, mother, child, whoever, therefore you, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. So Jesus does not deny that there will be trouble. There will be areas that you have to turn over to Him. There will be areas that are going to be challenging to navigate. What He's telling you is you don't have the energy, the, you don't have the capacity to live out God's plan while taking on His weight. And I love, Corey Ten Boom says one of my favorite quotes. She was one of the, uh, the missionaries that uh, helped free 
Jews from the Nazi concentration camps. She was Christian and she said, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And now you can say, it empties today of my energy. Right? Worry takes up a lot of energy. So if you find yourself tired, if you find yourself not being able to carry on the things that you have to do in this world, it's very likely that you're not giving your strength to the areas that God's told you to put your strength in. And instead, that energy is going somewhere else into the worry. But what we learn here, and this is an awesome lesson, it's the daily dependency that we need to have in Christ. We need to depend on Jesus daily. Daily. Worry will be lingering around the corner. Worry is going to be sneaking in. Worry likes to jump in in the news headlines, doesn't it? Pick up the news headlines for just five minutes. And if you're not worried in a few more minutes, then come talk to me. That's all they're trying to do. They're trying to stir up fear within the people. And let me tell you that it's constantly lingering, trying to come in. But every single day, I want you to ask yourself, what am I devoted to? Is, is God in control of my life? Do, am I depending on Him to meet all of our needs? But most importantly, does He have first place in my life? Does He really have first place in my life? Are you seeking Him daily in prayer? Are you praying about the things of the future? Or are you praying about right now? You see, sometimes we love to pray these big prayers of all these future things, which is not a bad thing. Continue to pray that way. But you have to be dependent on God today as well. I don't care how long you've been in the faith. I don't care how young you are in the faith. You need Jesus every single day. And our prayer lives reveal that you have a daily dependency on Him or not. I don't know about you guys, but 2020 was an interesting year, wasn't it? And you probably have many, many stories that you could bring up about last year. I remember like it was yesterday. It was March 12th, 2020. We had planned for a trip to go to Mexico. And we had planned it far in advance. We were so excited to go see my wife's family. And I remember leading up to that day, we kept asking ourselves, do we go? Do we not go? Do we go? Do we not go? It was like, the pressure kept building up. Every hour, something seemed to change on the news. But we decided to go. I remember my wife putting masks and gloves on all of us. And I was like, what are you doing to us? This is, this is crazy. And we showed, up at the, uh, we, we showed up to park at the hotel parking spot. Normal, pretty full hotel. They shuttle us to the airport in San Antonio. And we're about to head out. We get to Mexico. And you'll see why that's relevant here in a little bit. We get to Mexico and I ask around right away when I land, hey, are there any precautions, anything I need to be worried about as I come into Mexico? And you know what they told me? What virus? What virus? That's over there. Welcome to Mexico. Party time. Let's go. I'm thinking, all right, this will be good. Vacation, just what the doctor called for. So we get to the family. Family welcomes us with open arms. Welcome to Mexico. Feasts, 
great, everything we expected. But in the corner, we kept thinking about what's changing back home. What's changing back home. So every once in a while, we would check the news. Bad idea. And every time we did that, we would get more worried. Finally, it was Tuesday. So that we got there Thursday. That following Tuesday, we're going to be there for over a week. That following Tuesday, um, reports are now storming into Mexico. This deadly virus is now here. And I'll tell you that in Mexico, the same family that was laughing at us was now in full-blown panic. Toilet paper not to be found anywhere. That took a little while to happen here. It happened in a day in Mexico. Couldn't find any hand sanitizer. We ended up booking a trip to come back to the United States early. When we arrived, that same shuttle bus that had dropped us off was picking us up and we were alone in the shuttle. And, they, and we said, What's, how is it over here? And she goes, well, I'm one of three employees right now at this hotel. It's me, front desk, and one housekeeping person. That is it. We get to the roads and no one is anywhere. And, and, and me and Claude, and I had, I had even gotten a phone call uh, stating from my boss, um, my new boss, that I had gotten a new job at my company, but that all of that was going to be delayed because of this virus. So now I, now I, I am driving home on this empty I-35 thinking, what is going to happen? What world? I left a fairly normal world and I've come back to this. And I remember starting to worry about everything. I was starting to think about my kids' schooling. What are they, they going to go back? What are we going to do for school? I started thinking about this new job. I was supposed to start a new job. What do I do now? What is it going to look like to manage all these new people that I've never met and I don't get to shake their hands? They don't get to see what I'm about and what I'm like and how are we going to do this? And then I start worrying about, am I going to have a job? What's going to happen at our church? I start worrying. I, I even remember calling Benito. And Benito said, Joel, there's a video you need to watch. This is what we're about to experience. Like, oh my God, what is this? And I'll tell you that I had a moment where everything shifted. I started remembering the Sermon on the Mount. I started remembering that all the areas that I had been worried about were areas that I had not surrendered to God. And even if it was new, I needed to surrender it to Him. Because guess what? When I did, everything started shifting. And I started realizing that we started making these bold plans for our family. We embarked on a homeschool journey. We started doing all these things. Work started to become great. I started to see my family become tighter than ever. I was waking up in the morning and doing Bible studies with my kids and my wife. We were doing all these things that we always wish we could do. And I said, God, you are faithful. God, you are good. And faith was built in my life. And I'm sure faith, you've had those moments that you've worried about, and then you've seen God's provision. You've worried about it, but then you've seen God's provision. And I want to remind you of that provision. I want to remind you of what God did. Because what He did then, He'll do now, and He'll keep doing, and He'll do better. It's amazing what God is going to continue to do when we put Him first. So here today, I want to pray for you. Because again, I know we showed it through some of the questions and what we talked about, that this is an area 
that we need to surrender to Him. So I'm going to make a one quick prayer request here for all of you. And I want you to all bow your heads down. And I want you to think of the areas that you have been most worried about. Think about that area you've been most worried about. And I, as just a symbol, I want you to put that in your hand and then I want you to raise your hand up in the air. And, and we're all going to pray about these areas that we have been worrying about so we can surrender them and give them to Him. Let's pray right now. God, You see every hand raised. That hand represents the worry that we've been carrying and we've been holding on to. And God is a symbol and showing that that is something we're surrendering to you. We open up our hands and we say, God, take it. Take it from us right now. But more importantly, God, do a work in us where we could see you first. Where we don't see that worry first. God, allow us to continue to build our faith and remind us of the areas that you've provided for us, that you've, you've lived for us. God, all the things that you've done for us. God, right now, I ask that faith be built in your church. Right now, I pray that faith continue to build in your church and that we can share these testimonies with each other and that we can continue to build the, 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 the entire church's faith through our stories, God, because you are mighty and are doing an awesome work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now all I can think about is our church getting all that energy that you may have spent on worrying, putting it to work. Benito just talked about it. We need more people serving. We need more people doing things. If you don't spend your energy worrying, you can go do a lot of things, right? That's, that put... You got to get out of neutral and you got to put it into first gear. The kids don't know about driving stick shift. They're looking at me crazy. But it's okay. Get into gear and let's let God continue to do that in our lives. As you walk outside, I want to remind you that there's going to be some ice cold lemonade. And don't worry, there is the secret ingredient sugar in there. You won't be walking out with that little face that you saw on the screen. Uh... But we, again, we thank you for just going through the Sermon on the Mount. Next week, next week, you won't want to miss this one. We're going to be going over one of the most controversial um, verses that is most misunderstood. It's very known, but it's very misunderstood. Pastor Benito is going to be talking about it. Do not judge or you will be judged also. It's going to be good. God bless. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.